Hebrews chapter 4. And I want to read one verse of Scripture. In Hebrews chapter 4. One more time, would you stand for the reading of God's Word, for prayer? The verse I'd like to read is verse 12. For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. There's a lot packed up in that one little verse, isn't it? The Word of God is so powerful, it, it, can, it can divide the soul from the spirit. The Word of God is so powerful, it talks about the physical that it can divide if it needs to, the, the joints and the marrow, which is how we're made up physically. What a powerful verse of Scripture. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, I ask you to, to speak to us right now. I know my assignment this morning, and I know I represent the kingdom of God as an ambassador of Christ. And so I ask you, Lord, today to take this vessel, speak through me in a way that only you can, that will glorify your name. I thank you and I praise you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. <clears throat> I want to admonish you today. Don't ignore the sword. Don't Ignore the sword. If you would indulge me for a moment, I'd like to share this verse from another translation called The Message. <clears throat> Hebrews 4.12 from The Message. God means what he says. What he says goes. His powerful word is sharp <clears throat> As a surgeon's scalpel, cutting through everything, whether doubt or defense, laying us open to listen and to obey. There's an urgency that sweeps across my soul today. It's been with me for quite some time, and it seems to be magnified even more in the last few days. It was predicted back at the turn of the 21st century that by 2020, Christianity would become a minority religion. For a country that was founded upon Christian principles, that's very troubling. Just reported in a survey done recently by the Values and Belief Poll, this was conducted from May 2nd to May 22nd over a three-week period. When it was done, 
the results came in that 80, only 81% of people answered that were surveyed that they believe in God in America. 81%. Now, if that isn't troubling enough, listen to this. That's down six percentage points from 87% who said they believed in God in 2017. In a five-year period of time, six percentage points dropped to where now 19% of Americans do not believe in God. This year is the lowest percentage in Gallup's trend since the public opinion polling began in 1944. As I was praying about this this week, searching my heart, I believe the Lord gave me some reasons for these very troubling and downward trends. I believe one of the reasons why we have this going on is because man has become very independent of his creator. We're not embracing that the same God who created us is the same God who sustains us. But to be clear, in him, you live, you move, and you have your being. He's the reason you live. There is a mindset today that everything we have, we've earned. Friend, you haven't earned anything. Whatever accolades, educational achievements, accomplishments in your career, whatever success you've had in your family, until you change your mind and perspective that it all came as a gift from God, you're going to be independent from the Lord. The second thing, I think, is a contributing factor to this trend in our day is that we have become more and more materialistic. More and more people live for the quality of this life. And I'm not against having things. I'm blessed with a nice home. I, I bless, I'm blessed with decent automobiles. I, I, I'm blessed with a little bit of money in the bank. I mean, I'm blessed, okay? As I'm looking at people that are blessed in the house of God today. But I'm telling you, we are living in a society that is more materialistic than ever before. And they're so wrapped up in the quality of this life that they give no thought to the life and the eternity that is to come. The love of money, as the scripture has told us, has and continues to be the root of all evil. Well, let me just say this on a side note. Again, you may have heard it before. You'll hear it again. The hearse has no luggage racks. You cannot take it with you. But a third and probably the most troubling sign for me is the complete disregard for the whole counsel of God that is found in the Bible. When is the last time that the Bible changed you? When's the last time that it really done a significant work in your life? It changed a decision that you were about to make. It changed the path that you were about to travel. And somehow you sat down and the word of God came alive to you and you said, wait a minute. I need to alter the course of my path because the Bible tells me to. 
You see, the very essence of who we are is described within the covers of this book. I've read it a lot since Friday. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That is written in this book. This book is, that's mostly disregarded by society, provides the way to eternal life in Jesus Christ. This book, if you didn't have that book, you wouldn't know that there's a way to eternal life. You wouldn't know that there's a Savior that bled on a cross and died for you so that you can live in heaven forever with Him. This book that many treat as another in their library or the centerpiece for their coffee table is full of power and authority. There is a lot of power and authority that is in this book. You see, if you did some digging in the Word of God today, you would find out that God's Word is food. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 3 tells us, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Job wrote and said, I have esteemed your words. I have valued your words more than my necessary food. I want your word alive in me more than I want my next meal. While we flippantly pass by it to go to our streaming service, Job tells us, I'd rather have God's word than my next bit of nourishment. Jeremiah 15, 16 tells us that when we partake of the word, it brings joy. You want some joy in your heart. Jeremiah 15, 16 says, your words were found, and I did eat them. I did partake of them. And your word was unto me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. If you want joy beyond measure, no matter what's going on around you, I challenge you to, to ingest and digest more of God's word. Yours for the taking. I'm not talking about a 30-second devotional from the app on your phone. I'm talking about getting alone with God's word, opening it up, sitting down for 15 to 30 minutes and saying, God, I'm going to read until you speak life into me. Not only is God's word food, but God's word is also light. We read in the word of God in Psalms 19 and 8 that the commandment of the Lord is pure and it will enlighten the eyes. Psalms 119 and 105 says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Verse 130 says, the entrance of your word gives me light on the inside. Peter in the New Testament wrote this. He said, the word of prophecy is as a light that shines in a dark place. Thank God I was in darkness, but now I'm in light. And it's because I accepted the glorious gospel message that was nothing but light. And now I'm no longer in the shadows. I'm no longer in the dark. I've been transformed by the power that is in the word of God. God's word is light. You don't have to wonder in shadows. You don't have to guess. God will lead you and guide you. And he will teach you and tell you what you need to know and what you need to hear. Oh, I would to God that we would all step back and and regroup and say, God, I'm not going to make another decision until first I seek the truth that is found in the life-giving word of Almighty God. God's word is food and God's word is light. And we see that God's word brings cleansing. It's cleansing. All of us need spiritual cleansing. And the Bible is a spiritual washcloth, if you will, that will make you whole. 
Psalms 119 and verse 9, listen to what it says. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? And he answered his own question by taking heed thereto according to your word. If I will take your word in my heart, it will cleanse me. It's a washcloth in my life. Jesus himself said this. He said, now you are clean through the word that I have spoken uh, to you. Can I tell you when Jesus spoke the word, he was speaking the Bible. And when the Bible speaks, the Bible is speaking Jesus. You can't have Jesus without the Bible. You can't have the Bible without Jesus. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and, and, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and the word, who is the word? The word is Jesus and Jesus is the word and, and all of these virtues and characteristics we've got to have we've got to have his word as food we've got to have his word as light, we've got to have his word as, as cleansing and, and the wholesome feeling that comes from it but I need to tell you today that you need to understand that the word is also a soul it's a sword it's a sharp instrument it's a sharp instrument that cuts it's a sharp instrument that brings instrument that brings pain it's a sharp instrument that exposes it's a sharp instrument that that penetrates i told someone this week god's word in its entirety is more uncomfortable than it is fun Now, you can find someone on television that'll spend the majority of their ministry, if not all of it, telling you about the fun parts of God's Word. But if you took the entirety of the Bible from cover to cover, all 66 books, you would find out that the Word is more uncomfortable than it is fun. <laughs> and to live for God, you cannot afford to ignore the sword. Now let me tell you, here's an interesting and a very unique story found in the Old Testament, found in Numbers chapter 22. It's about a prophet whose name was Balaam. This prophet would be one that could, one, predict the future. Prophets could predict the future. A second thing that a prophet could do is pronounce a blessing or a curse. Well, the nation of Israel is prospering. God's hand of blessing is over them. He is prospering them everywhere that they go. He's giving them victory against their enemies. The news is spreading rapidly. And so there was an evil king who knew that God's people were heading his direction. And he said, my army's not going to be able to handle them. My army's not going to be able to defeat them. He said, so I, he came up with this idea he said, I know what I'll do, this evil king. He said, I'll, I'll call. I know there's a prophet somewhere close by. I know his name is Balaam. And so I'm going to call Balaam, and I'm going to ask him to come. And instead of my men fighting against the nation of Israel, I'm just going to ask Balaam to come and pronounce a curse against the nation of Israel. 
Well, the Bible says that when the messengers came and asked Balaam to come to the evil king of Moab, that at first he refused. Uh, but the evil king offered honor and offered wealth, offered money. And so he went. And so Balaam began, this prophet began, be, uh, began down the road of compromise. And let me just stop here and tell you something today. More sinners are going to hell today because of compromise than anything else. More lukewarm professing believers are going going to be rejected by God because of compromise. Once you crack the door, you might as well fling the door wide open. Once you give the devil a ride in the back seat, before long, you're going to end up in the back seat and he's going to be the one doing the driving. They want to broaden the path. They want to make easier the path. They want to pick and choose what part of the gospel to receive and what to reject. But I'm telling you here, I stand here declaring the oracle of the Lord. You will come up short in the end. Compromise is not an option. Balaam began this compromise. In Numbers chapter 22 and verse 22 says that because Balaam went to pronounce a curse upon the people of God, that God's anger was kindled against him. Now listen to what happens in this narrative. The scripture says the angel of the Lord stood in his way. And the angel of the Lord didn't just stand in his way, but stood in his way with a sword that was drawn. Now Balaam the, the prophet was riding upon a donkey. And the donkey could see the angel of the Lord with the sword drawn, but that the prophet Balaam could not. Balaam was so spiritually dull and insensitive and, and, and perverse that he could not see the sword that was in front of him. And so the donkey saw, and he had his master on his back. And the scripture says that, that as Balaam was riding upon him, and he was getting closer to the angel with the sword drawn, that he turned into a field. Well, this donkey was normally cooperative, and Balaam was upset that he turned into a field, and he smote him. And then the scripture says that the, the donkey with Balaam on his back, one more time, he saw the, the angel of the Lord with the sword drawn in front of him. And he went through a narrow passage and he crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. Balaam was really irritated by now. This was uncharacteristic of this donkey. He wasn't seeing the angel of the Lord. He wasn't seeing the sword drawn in front of him. And he struck the donkey yet again. The third and final time, the donkey is traveling yet again with Balaam on his back, all together at the same time. He's already turned into the field once. He's already crushed his, his uh, Balaam's foot against the wall another time. And now the third time, the Bible says that, that the donkey saw the angel of the Lord with a sword drawn and he just buckled under him. He just went down flat and, and, and Balaam was angry. He was furious. He got off of the donkey and, and the scripture uh, tells us that he was ready to kill the donkey and he, he was so angry with him that he hit the donkey with a staff that he had with him. And the Bible says, and of course this part of it is always intriguing to me, that the donkey's mouth opened up and he asked Balaam, why why in the world did you strike me? You know, I've said this before. It's, it's, it's intriguing uh, that a man would have a conversation with a donkey, period. 
But the donkey was talking and said, what have I done unto you that you have hit me these three times? And Balaam said, because you've mocked me. I wish I had a sword in my hand, because if I had a sword in my hand, I'd kill you right now. And the donkey said, do I not belong to you? And you have ridden upon me every day till now. Have I ever done anything like this before? And Balaam had to admit, no, you've, been, you've, you've never done anything like this before and then the Bible says the Lord opened <clears throat> the eyes of Balaam he saw the angel of the Lord he saw the sword drawn in the angel's hand now the angel of the Lord this is what he said to Balaam he said I have come out listen to this I have come out to withstand you because your way is perverse before me you were so blind that you could not see the angel with the sword drawn, but your donkey could see. And if it had not been for your donkey, I would have slain you and let your donkey live. Listen, the sword was raised three different times and you didn't see it. Three different times I raised the sword in front of you because your way was perverse. I want to tell you again. When the word of God is preached, it is a sword. It is compelling. It is convicting. In fact, when it is preached in its entirety, it is more convicting than it is coddling. It is more challenging than it is soothing. And again, it will be more uncomfortable than it is fun. When the word is preached in its entirety, it's hard. It ruffles our feathers. Our toes are stepped on. But it is God, his sword being drawn to tell us that we are not living right and that our ways are perverse. There are times that God draws his sword up in front of us as he is doing this morning because he wants to bring conviction, conviction of righteousness, conviction of judgment that is to come, conviction of, oh, somebody help me preach here, conviction of temperance or self-control. I'm telling you, when the word of God is preached, it is the sword of the Lord being drawn in our presence. The word is a sword drawn. The word is a warning that is given. He gives us warnings that if we continue to live in our obstinacy and our rebellion, that destruction will await us inevitably. We cannot afford to ignore the sword of the Lord. We cannot afford to disregard the Bible that is eternally settled in heaven. I wish somebody would help me here today. So Balaam went on to Moab. He went on to where the king was. The king said, you, if you'll open your mouth and curse Israel, I will give you a lot of wealth and I will give you honor. Here's the interesting part is that every time Balaam the prophet opened his mouth, <laughs> all he could do was bless God's people. Every time the king said, curse him, he said, I can't do nothing but bless him. Every time the king said, I want you to pronounce something upon him, 
That'll lead to their destruction. And Balaam would open his mouth with a power and authority as he had had in times past. All he did was bless the nation of God four or five times. Four or five times. Every time he spoke, he was wanting to speak cursing, but he could only speak blessing. Now, this is what I want you to get. But because he was greedy, because he was focused on his own wealth, he offered the king an alternative. Listen to me. He said, I can't curse them, but I have an idea for you, king. This is what he said. Listen to my plan. You cannot beat them with a curse, king. But you can deceive them through camaraderie. You can't beat them with a curse because they're blessed. But if you can't beat them, why not just join them? Because Balaam, the prophet, was such a greedy man who loved money. He told the king, don't look to curse them, just become their friends. Just make an alliance with them. Listen to what happened. While Balaam went home, that wicked king of Moab formed an unholy alliance with the nation of Israel. He beguiled them. Numbers chapter 25 says, listen to this, that Israel began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. The men of Israel slept with the women of Moab. Not only that, but the people of Israel bowed down to their gods. He beguiled them. He deceived them. He drew them in. He couldn't pronounce a curse on them, so he deceived them into falling into alliance with him. And let me tell you what happened. God in heaven brought down judgment upon the nation of Israel and 24,000 of the Israelis perished as a result of it. Numbers 31 tells us that all of this happened through the counsel of Balaam. He was a prophet who prostituted his gifts and his influence that led to compromise, corruption, and destruction. Don't ignore the sword today. Don't disdain the Bible today. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 3 says, For the time will come, and let me just tell you, the time is here, that men, that they will not endure sound doctrine. That means there will be a disdain for the word of God. Jesus, uh, Paul prophesied it to Timothy. And we are living in the day when this is coming to pass. Where there is a disdain for the word of God. Because it's uncomfortable. Because it causes change. Because it makes radical transformation. We're supposed to submit to it. But instead of submitting to it, we want to just pick and choose what makes us feel good. And leave the rest of it there. But the scripture says the time is coming. I believe it's here. They will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own desires, they will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth. They will turn away their ears from the truth. My brothers and sisters, my friends, we are living to see this come to pass.
pass. I'm telling you the world is going down the drain and the church in a large portion is circling the drain because men won't stand behind the pulpit. Women won't stand behind the pulpit and declare the whole counsel of God's holy word. I would to God men and women would declare the Bible rightly divided and not apologize for it and refuse to be bought with a substandard gospel. It is clear we're living in the last of the last days. We better wake up because the angel of the Lord has his sword drawn in our path. Mm. Second Timothy 3 tells us, know in the last days that perilous times shall come. Two key signs, and there's more, but two I want to mention. Men will be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Men will be lovers of their own selves. Lovers of their own selves. You won't find a greater example than the placards and the protest that say, my body, my choice. My body, my choice. It don't matter if 64 million babies have lost their lives. It's my body and my choice. We have forgotten in this society and many in the church and some won't even stand behind the pulpit to celebrate the victory this past week because they don't want to offend anyone. But I'm so thankful that my mother chose life. I'm so thankful that your mamas chose life. Otherwise, you wouldn't be in the house of God today. Lovers of themselves. Hmm. <laughs> let the clarion call be heard. Let the word be spoken. And let the sword be drawn. Sin is still sin in the eyes of God. Heaven is still real, and it's a place to gain. And hell is just as hot of a lake of fire that burns where the worm does not die, neither is his thirst quenched. It is still the cross of Jesus Christ. He is still the only way, the only truth, and the only life. And no man comes to the Father but by him. And it is still a holy life pleasing to the Lord that God requires. It's a hammer. Man, this, this word is a hammer, man. And it'll break the arrogant pride in your heart. It's a fire. And it'll burn all the impure junk out of your soul. And this thing is a sword. This sacred treasure is a sword. Well, Pastor, what happened to Balaam? Numbers 31 and verse 8, part B, Balaam also the son of Beor, they slew with a sword. The sword he ignored became a sword of destruction. 
Let me give you a couple of parallels here. Angel held up a sword to stop Balaam on his path of disobedience. Hebrews says the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. God provided the sword to stop Balaam. God provides a sword that Ephesians calls the word of God. It's the sword of the spirit. A sword, another parallel. A sword was Balaam's instrument of defeat and death. Listen. Jesus says to the sinner, the compromising, backsliding, pretending, play, church, soul. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 16. Repent or I will come and fight against you with the sword of my mouth. Did you know when we come back in Revelation chapter 19 and the saints of God are riding on white horses behind Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, do you know how he's going to smite the unrepentant nations and all of its constituents? He's going to do it with the sword of his mouth. You cannot afford to ignore the sword of conviction today. Because it will be the sword of destruction one day. You can call me out of touch and crazy. Well, Pastor, you're hard today. Well, I, I preached on God's love on Father's Day, so. If you weren't here, so be it. The Spirit has directed me to warn you. Today I am preaching from the Bible to warn you not to ignore the Bible that I am preaching to you from. I see it. That in heaven the book of life will be opened, but it says other books will be opened. Scripture says in another place, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Jesus said, the grass withereth. Isaiah said, the grass withereth and the flower fadeth, but the word of the Lord shall endure forever. Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. So let me tell you what I believe. I believe among those other books, beside the book of life, is the word of God. You can't, you can't just pick and choose and say, well, I'll allow this portion to apply, but that area will not apply. You can't do that. You, you either accept all of it or chuck the whole thing. Let's cut the lights off and go home and go to hell. Because that's exactly what we're going to be doing if we ignore this. Well, I'll give to the poor but rob God of the tithe that belongs in the storehouse. I'll lift my hands and praise God on Sunday, but I'll use foul language and tell dirty jokes on the job Monday through Friday. I'll trust God for my needs, but just in case my life giver lets me down, I'm going to stop by and get me a lottery ticket. Woo, I think I struck a nerve. I'll be faithful to my spouse. But I'll look at a chick flick online and lust in my heart and justify it, calling it window shopping. Give me a break. Jesus said, if you lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery. Oh, I could go on. 
Too many are naming Christ, but they're only allowing the sword of God to cut but so deep or to cut in certain areas. But I'm preaching from this Bible today to warn you not to ignore this Bible. It's a double-edged sword. The cut's going in. Doesn't feel good. But it heals coming out. You can open up going in that area. That incision can be put there, but he pulls it out and healing takes, takes place. I don't know why I feel this so heavy. Any moment. Any moment he's coming. Any moment. Not a word, not a prophecy left to be fulfilled. There's preachers in the room nod their heads at me because they know I'm telling the truth. There's believers been studying the Bible for years that know I'm telling the truth. There's not a prophecy left to be fulfilled. Balaam had the, he had the sword drawn in front of him. But he was so perverse that he didn't even see it. Didn't even recognize it. Yeah, I know what's happening in some people's minds right now. Online, in person. Some that will watch it later on this week. Well, he's judging me. It's the common go-to. No, friend. I'm trying to spare you from an eternity of separation from God. And everything I've shared with you is found in this book. And many other things that I could have shared. It's in the book. You got to get in the book. I love technology. I'm so grateful for technology. When I had the honor to speak at Camp Meeting a few weeks ago, I, I told the, the group there, I, don't, I, I walk past the media booth. They haven't put a do not enter pastor sign yet. I walk past the audio booth. There's guys and gals that are a whole lot more capable with that stuff than I am. But I'm going to tell you, technology is messing with us. It's not just, and you've heard me preach this, it's not just people that are online that ain't come back to church. But some of us, our devotion has turned into a 30-second app on our phone. There is so much more. There's so much more that God wants to deposit into you. But you're going to have to crack the book. Every head bowed and every eye closed. No one looking around. Here's my question. Will you allow the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, to do its work in your heart? Or will you ignore the sword yet once again? Another risk. 
another compromising moment that could lead to the moment when the sword of the Spirit becomes your instrument of judgment. I hope I've come through with a spirit of brokenness. It's an old, old song of the church. The way the song goes, you don't have to try to fix yourself you just come to Jesus just as you are that's all he wants he loves you just as much as he loves me no matter what your spiritual condition is he loves you unconditionally and all you have to do is come just as you are just as you are they're, they're going to they're gonna sing it quietly softly go ahead and as they sing it, just as, I as they sing it, if you feel like you need to come and pray, the sword's been drawn in front of you today. There's some junk that's got to be cut out. There's some stuff that's got to be cut out. Maybe you're here and you've never accepted Jesus. Say, preacher, I, I don't want to be lost. I want to be saved. I want to be found. I, I wait for you here at the altar as an ambassador of Christ. I'm simply the hands and feet of Jesus. Feel so inclined, would you just center, saint? Anyone, anyone that just needs to pray. The word. The word that is food and that is light and that it's cleansing. It's also been a it's been a sword that's been drawn in front of me today. Will there be some honest hearts that say, you know, I just need to come pray about some stuff? Someone that doesn't know the Lord and praying a sinner's prayer is very easy. Say, Jesus, I, I'm a I'm a sinner and I believe what you did on the cross was for me. Please forgive me. Make me a believer today. The scripture says he'll make you a new creature in Christ Jesus with that simple prayer. And all of the old junk in your life will be passed away and all things will become new in that moment. We'll do it if you'll allow it. Is there others? Is there others?